If you're mentally, spiritually fit, you can do anything. I'm a returning student. I went back to school in my 40s. I have a master's in therapy. I'm a counselor. I work with kids and everything, but I couldn't have done any of that if I hadn't been an AA. Yeah. I wouldn't have so called, I'm going to say the so called wonderful wife. <laughs> Who called wonderful? <laughs> I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hiya, Sam. How you doing, Don? I'm good. I got a question for you. Oh, I'm scared. Well, you know this. What's the name of the hilarious joke section at the end of the grapevine? Oh, that one's easy. That's wit's end. At wit's end. (laughs) I'm going to at you. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to ask everybody listening to at you. Y'all go get Don. (laughs) Well, okay. Have you read the grapevine for a while? Uh, Off and on. And I've looked at back issues and, and we've got archive access online. We've certainly delved into those archives looking for blast from the past content and wit's end. Yeah. I don't know when it changed, but do you know the name of the humor section before they changed it to At Wit's End? Oh, gosh, no. Ham on Rye. Yeah, I, I, as soon as you said it, I yes, I yeah. have seen that. Yes, Ham on Rye. I can see the logo in my mind. but uh, That's totally you. If you were drinking rye whiskey, you would totally be ham on rye. It, and it fits those jokes. <laughs> it does. It really does. Those are like the alcoholic dad jokes. <laughs> well, I was researching it and you're never going to get these because I've never heard of these before. Some of the other names for the joke section before that was once over lightly. And I think one of the earliest ones was Short snorts. Short snorts. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. Hey, you know, there's another thing that I discovered while going. I wish that I had discovered this before we actually came up with our hashtag heard in a meeting. Mm-hmm. Because there's a section called heard at a meeting often shows up in the joke section as well. That's right. Yeah. Heard at a meeting. Yeah. We should have we should have run with heard at a meeting, but we've got hashtag heard in a meeting, in a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> which I like. And we're going to do a segment on that today. We sure are. I don't know when it started. I don't think it started in the 40s. I mean, the first issue of the grapevine was like a newsletter in mm-hmm. 44. And Bill approved it, and it was uh, Marty started it, I think was her name. At the very beginning, they didn't have the cartoons. From the very beginning, they've had a rule, no poetry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Can you imagine some of the sappy, sad sack poetry we alcoholics would produce? I mean... It, it would be a hilarious section, probably, to look through the archive if they had allowed it and read sad, sad oh poetry. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we didn't do that. <laughs> so where do the jokes come from that we do? Oh, they come from the readers. They come from Alcoholics Anonymous members. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and there are some folks who send in lots of them. That's one of the things I've noticed is some names pop up repeatedly. They have got a ton of jokes in their pocket. 
the, I love the old AA jokes and I love putting sound effects on them. And I like it when we can act it out and do it like it's an old radio show. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Well, okay. One last question. What was the name of the joke section? It, I don't think it was in the very first issue, but it was within about four or five issues. They started the joke section. What was the name of the first joke section? course you're not gonna know that uh donnie wani ding dong <laughs> tells a joke barley corn <laughs> barley corn yeah but, and that suits too because god those jokes are corny <laughs> those are some really good puns that they did ham on rye yeah, barley corn yeah. <laughs> those are great like puns it. it gives me a short snort every time i hear one <laughs> a short, a short snort i mean a snort being a, a shot i mean that, these are great all right well don today our guest is elsa a and we're also going to spend a few minutes checking in on hashtag heard in a meeting Ooh, let's see what the hashtag will bring us to talk about but first let's meet elsa Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. Hi, everybody. Nice listening to you guys today. I feel like I should have studied for the Grapevine before I <laughs> nope. joined you guys. Oh my God, I'm missing so much. <laughs> no more quizzes. No I kind of feel like I should have studied too, Elsa. <laughs> well, I got carried away with it. Elsa, what was the name of the cartoon character that ran for years and years in the Grapevine magazine? It's a guy wearing a hat like he got it in 1940 and a suit coat. Have you ever seen it? I, I just don't see it in my head. His name is Victor E. Victor E. Victor yep. E. Yeah. My name is Elsa and I am an alcoholic. I am in Westchester, New York, and I am part of the Briarcliff Group. I'm sober 32 years. I've traveled around the world seeing AA meetings. Wow. It's been a trip. It all has the same meaning and it's like being sober, meeting wonderful people. And I always say finding God, but it, more than that. It's finding myself in sobriety. I've become a better person because I'm in AA. Yeah. Elsa, what was the oddest place for a meeting that you've been to around the world? Oh, okay. I got sober in Jackson Heights, Queens. The first year I stayed in Queens before I got married and moved to Germany. I worked at Burger King on the military base. And the strangest places is going to AA meetings when there's German speaking meetings. Yeah. Wait a minute. Burger King. Is that like the German burger, like a city councilman? Or is that like a burger, like a hang? <laughs> oh, Don. <laughs> <laughs> a short snort. <laughs> right, right. And I had my kids at Burger Hospital. That makes you want to laugh. The, the, thing, the thing was, is that I worked there being in the military base and was a lot of AA members that were in the military. I would say the oddest thing about being in that meeting was that no matter what they were saying in German, it felt the same way as if somebody was saying it in English and they were talking from their heart. Hmm. That blew my mind because that message is still deep no matter what language you hear it in. 
but I've seen it in Spanish. So no matter the language of the meetings, you feel like that you got the language of the heart. Absolutely. Even if I didn't understand what they were saying, the facial expression, the emotion from the heart, the eyes, it's like it made me cry. That's what happened to me. And I'm like, I didn't have a... You've got me on the verge of them right now, Elsa. I, I mean... I traveled a lot for several years for work and went to AA meetings all around the world, but I always went to English speaking meetings, but I also always went to a meeting on my anniversary and there in Germany, I was there on an anniversary and there was no English speaking meeting that day. So I went to a German meeting. What you described is what I experienced. I have chills right now. There is something, dare I say, sacred about sitting in an AA meeting with other alcoholics, regardless of the language. Let's get a little corny here because we have the language of the heart. Sam, didn't you go to a meeting where it was in a stadium and they pulled out chairs? Yeah, I did. So it was not really a stadium, but it was a soccer pitch. I was in Hyderabad, India and went to the YMCA because a meeting was listed there and I couldn't find any evidence of it. And so I I asked the guy at the desk and he placed a phone call and minutes later, four or five, six guys showed up and we all grabbed one of those little plastic stacking chairs and we went out to the middle of the soccer pitch with no lights on and we sat in a circle with no book, no, no reading tools, no nothing. And we sat there and we had an AA meeting. It was one of the most powerful that I've ever sat in. That's a great experience for sure. AA around the world is to, to experience it is a real joy. And I got to experience it primarily as AA tourism. But my practice of going to a meeting everywhere I went, and and as soon as I could, when I got there, also took care of me on those few occasions when I needed a meeting. I knew how to go find a meeting and I had no problem walking into it, no matter where I was. That's a very good point about the purpose of staying sober as the fear has been lifted. You don't give a hoot as long as you're in a place that it's safe. I was just remembering when you were describing that, it's like, I think God had a terrible sense of humor, even though I think it's funny. I went to Germany after my first year of sobriety. Now, there are so many beers I didn't try. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's just unfair. And I remember moving it. My husband worked for a German bank. That's how we got there in the first place. I got a sponsor there who spoke English and she was German. I remember going into my new apartment that we just moved in. The building was new. So the walls and the doors all settled. So I couldn't open the door. By the way, I didn't speak German in the beginning, and I still don't. I couldn't communicate, and I was petrified. I had just celebrated my first year of sobriety. I tried opening the door, and I'm cursing, and I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff in my head. They they used to have no cell phones, right? Because I'm much older than you. No cell phones. So I had to walk into one of the telephone booths in Germany to call my sponsor. The reason I did that is because right next to the phone and in that area where I was sitting, there was this huge poster standing near the bar and it was like the sweating beer. Mm. And mm. I was like, holy crap. Beer was cheaper than soda, by the way. It was talking to you. It was screaming. It was like, come here, baby. Luckily, my sponsor picked up 
And I said, it's either you or that beer. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> I saw a billboard in Germany that was a beer bottle sweating, but looked beautiful. It wasn't attractive to me, though, because it, it wasn't in English. It was in German. But right. in English, it said private hell. Oh, <laughs> yes. And truth in advertising. And in, Ger in German, of course, it was like private stock. And the word hell means light. So it was light private oh, stock. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Apropos, right? You look at it and you go, hmm, that's not going to work. So what year did you get sober? 1990. And it wasn't my first try. Uh -huh. I had played around before because I think I had a problem. I wasn't 100% sure. Well, it's a good question. Why go to AA if you're not sure? How did you right? become sure? I didn't drink coffee as much as I do now. So when I came into AA, you know, we used to smoke cigarettes. We used to drink a lot of coffee. I wasn't used to drinking coffee at 7, 8 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. Right. I had no idea the impact of it because I couldn't sleep. <laughs> That's right. I didn't connect it to the coffee right then. I, so I remember my sponsor telling me, nobody ever dies from sleep. But if you drink, you could. Right. That's right. <laughs> I had that kind of sponsor and I loved her. Right. So, and that's what I needed at the time was somebody would say like, yes, yeah, stop crying. It wasn't until I was eight months sober and it was three o'clock in the morning and I was watching what's this James Dean. Mm -hmm. He was like that rebel without a cause. Yeah. I think he was an alcoholic problem with his drinking. And I was already in AA for eight months. So mind you, I still wasn't 100% sure. Were you drinking? No. You weren't drinking, no. but you weren't convinced no. you were an alcoholic. Yeah, I was like, maybe, you know, I'll get over this, you know. And I'm watching this thing and I'm listening to his story and I go, oh, my God. Now I start crying. I am an alcoholic. It was like I owned it. And then I did my fourth and fifth that night because I couldn't sleep. What's the point of staying up? <laughs> I know I was already planning to leave to Germany in January because I was going to get married and all this other stuff coming up. I said to myself, I'm never going to tell anybody else about my life except for the sponsor I have. So in my one year of sobriety, I did all the steps. I did all the stuff. And she was the one I spoke to. So that's how I did. You know, sometimes... Even now, in all this time of sobriety, I have moments that I hear it in my voice. Well, you've had 32 years. Do you think it's going to be different? Yeah, my body's changed how many times? It's every seven years. You, you're, mm. you're, everything changes, right? I don't take the risk because I have so much more. I have so much more. I don't want to yeah, give I, this up. I'm not willing to risk it. No. no, no. And I'm not taking that risk. And I, and you know, I'm married to a normie who can have a beer, which makes me hysterical. <laughs> he has a beer. He puts a stopper and sticks it in the refrigerator. And I go, <laughs> no, what is that? Right. <laughs> you said that that night when you had that moment of clarity, you did your fourth and fifth step right away. Yeah. How quickly did you do that fourth step? Well, you know what? I think it's been a gradual. I was writing. My sponsor had told me, if you want to get the steps through, you want to stay sober. And she was one of these. I went to seven meetings, probably twice a day my first year. 
So I couldn't be inside my head. There was no button to turn it off. Were you working on your fourth step then? Yes. Before that, I was, she was guiding me, telling me what to do. And it was like, that was like, get this garbage out so you can move forward. It's, it's like either I'm in it or not. Yeah. So you got married, you moved to Germany. Yes. What did you do to stay sober doing that? Because that's a well, lot of change. Right. Prior to going to Germany, I had gone there once or twice just to get familiar what was going on. I met my sponsor then. So you got a local sponsor when you Yeah, came. I called AA. I said, Let, I need somebody in Germany. Is there somebody on the list? La, la, la. Perfect. She was my saving grace. Her husband was also in the program. She welcomed us home. She helped me find an apartment. I went to meetings with her. Their meetings were very hard in the sense of you get a meeting twice a week. And if oh. you got a meeting, mm-hmm. you had to drive 45 minutes to some place. Mm-hmm. So I've tried everything. But then after I had kids, it was like, you know what? I got to take what's in front of me was my saving grace. Everything like that. They also had a lot of sober gatherings. Groups of us would do that. You know, like after the meeting, go to the pizza in Frankfurt. Like all these little things that were part of my sobriety in Jackson Heights. So how do you stay sober now? What do you do? I developed a lot of tools from the beginning. I have meditation books that are AA related. They talk about AA and what to do when you're feeling yourself, feeling feelings, right? (laughs) Um, Not those. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've been fortunate enough is having a group of AA members be part of your sobriety. I go to meetings that do step work. I think it's having a daily connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you. Like for me, I'm Catholic. I grew up that way. I can say God, Jesus in the same name. It don't mean diddly squat, whatever you want to call it, as long as it isn't you. If you think you have the answer, pass it on to somebody else first to see (laughs) if it makes sense. Elsa, this is just a fantastic conversation, but we're just going to change directions a little bit. That's because... It's time for Pound Sign Heard in a Meeting. Oh, Don, that's hashtag Heard in a Meeting. It's where we scour the interwebs for posts of cool things you've heard in a meeting. Post them on social media with hashtag Heard in a Meeting. Keeping in mind our tradition of anonymity, here's what caught our attention this week. The AA elevator is down. You'll have to take the steps. I love that. <laughs> That's a good one. It's a pun. Well, yeah, and we're definitely punny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elsa, do and- you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I remember always hearing this in the meetings was itty bitty committee. Oh, yes. Yes. You know that one? Oh, yes. That's with us all the time yes. until we use the steps and everything else to get it out. It, it quiets down a lot. Yeah. But if I don't keep things treated, it can crop back up. In a heartbeat. <laughs> well, I was thinking of the elevator thing, though, that this was really important to me when I first got sober is you don't have to take the elevator all the way down. You can get off on any floor. And yes, like you were talking about, Elsa, am I really an alcoholic going to meetings. I mean, I experienced that for six months or so when we'd be reading out of the book and it'd say the real alcoholic. And I kept going, maybe I'm not a real alcoholic. 
I, you know, you I, are Don. I don't think I'm a real alcoholic. And, it, you know, it would jump on me. That expression, you can get off on any floor. You don't have to take it all the way. Because you'd hear, I'd hear stories of people who just devastating bottoms to terrible lives that they were leading right before they got sober. And, you know, I had a family and a car and a job and all. I didn't lose all that stuff. So it was hard to accept that I'm a real alcoholic. I worked with a sponsor at one point who pointed out to me in the 12 and 12, where they talk about they looked back on their histories so that they could show earlier in their experience how things had happened so that people who were higher up on the elevator, if you will, mm -hmm. could relate so that they didn't have to ride all the way down. And that was really helpful to me. Right. And it was definitely in the big book, if I'm not mistaken, um, the story about that, the reason why they did the book also was for, to get people to the higher level that they didn't have to go all the way down. It always reminds me of the jailwalker. Oh, yeah. The jaywalker. The yes. Jay, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's similar to that. How many times you got to get hit for you to realize, yeah. yeah, maybe you don't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Let's see. Uh, it will get better. If it doesn't get better, it will most assuredly get different. Mm -hmm. hashtag heard in a meeting now that's definitely been my experience you know there are things that have happened that I really didn't like and wasn't thrilled to be going through by any stretch but as my experience in recovery has grown my ability to live life in these situations has drastically improved yeah life gets different and it may not get better at times my living of it has gotten better mm-hmm Things are going to happen in life. You can't avoid that. It's how you deal with it, right? It's attitude yeah. adjustment, yeah. quieting the disturbance inside of you so that you can respond in a way that is healthy or the way that you won't go out to drink, mm -hmm. but you'll talk to someone else first before you realize, maybe I don't need to do the same thing expecting a different result. It is different, and it's always in a better way than what it would have been if I would have been drinking. Yes. When you're new coming in, I mean, I had an expectation I'm going to quit drinking. Everything's going to get perfect. I mean, if I quit drinking, everything will be great. And that's not the case. I just don't make things worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or at least I've got a much better opportunity not to make things worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because you could still you could still <laughs> act out. I mean, nobody says that your character defects are, you know, clean. Yeah, right? that's right. All right. I like this one. If you like what I say in here, watch my feet when I leave. Mm. What does that mean? Mm. For me, what I'm hearing is watch what I do. Don't just listen to what I say. Do my actions match my words? Okay. One time I worked with a guy who talked the most eloquent lines and stories and shares in meetings. When we got on the job site, it, was, it, was, it didn't carry through. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of stewing, anger, boiling that was not visible in meetings. So I've often thought when someone's looking for a sponsor, one of the things I say is look for someone who's not angry, because that means they've worked the steps. If I'm running around at the boiling point, 
there's some place that, you know, I haven't let go. And, uh, you know, I'm not working the steps if I'm about to blow up every minute. Even if I say a bunch of stuff from AA, that's the truth. So it's in my feet that it matters. It's the way we live, right? Yes. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's like kids who say, you know, don't kids watch what you do, not what you say. Mm-hmm. And, and I love uh-huh. that you re, you sort of change that part about, you know, if you're angry every minute, because when you say if they're angry, run from them, think, wait a minute, you know, we're supposed to have our feelings. Yeah, right, right, right. right. We're supposed to be angry and get all that stuff. It's what we do with that, right? Sad, yeah. happy, like that is a human thing, right? But you're allowed to get angry. It's just what you do. That's when you use the steps. Yes, exactly. Do we hold on to it? Do we yeah. feed it? Or do we run it through the steps? Do we let go of it? Yeah. Am I continuing to take personal inventory when I'm wrong promptly admitted it? You know, if it, Am I doing these things on a daily basis? Because if I'm not, that's what I'm talking about. That's where the anger sits there. And it's resentment at the world. It does. And and it just kind of turns into this nasty little ball inside that just kind of colors my interaction and view with the rest of the world. Yeah. And that's what based on your spiritual condition, if you find the way, right, using your higher power or talking to someone that always makes it easier, but the steps are perfect for that. Six and seven, seven's my favorite, right? (laughs) It can help with anything you got. If it can stop your drinking, it can help you with anything else. Six and seven, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. So that's your favorite two steps. Can you talk about that a bit more? This is where I found hope. Step meetings are like the best. I mean, like I could read these things a million times and I go, wow, I missed that one. Yeah, they I, change the words around, don't yeah, they? Yeah, wow. <laughs> How did I skip that? That's insane. Six and seven, my favorite, because I'll read the little part. Okay, so seven is about humility, right? It says, if that degree of humility could enable us to find grace by which such a deadly obsession could be banished, which was my alcoholism and any other addiction I had. I was a smoker too. I quit smoking two years after my sobriety, but then I I was pregnant, so I had to make a choice. (laughs) I, I did do the right one. And that always got me when I read that. It's like, if I was to find the grace by which such a deadly obsession could be banished, then there must be hope of the same result respecting any other problem we can possibly have. Now, where do you get that information that says, you know what, things are going to work out. But there is a little something you have to do. Right? Do you want it? You have to be willing to want it too. So I think that's what the steps do for me. I love how this stuff works. (laughs) Absolutely. Elsa, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you, Elsa. Thank you. Thank you, too. You've done a good job on your first fourth step inventory, sharing all your flaws. Now, what is one of your biggest assets? I'm great at multitasking. How's that?
I can waste time, be unproductive, and procrastinate all at once. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.